welcome to the Started on South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Marler, I know you were having yourself a nice little weekend. You had all those queso picks that you were throwing up. By the way, queso, your new corgi is on Instagram. I am very impressed that queso was able to do that. Yeah. Um, Lacks the opposable thumbs. Right. Yeah. They'll teach dogs anything these days. That's true. Um, but I saw something very unfortunate happen to you over the weekend. And I'm not talking about Alabama's basketball loss. We're going to get to that later. We're actually going to talk some basketball today with our yeah. good friend Adam Spencer. So for all of those who have been asking for some basketball stuff, we had plenty of that. We have sort of the SEC football fans guide to basketball that we'll get to. But I saw something bad happen to you. Yeah. I'm glad you, you got dunked on. I did. You got dunked on badly. Um, posterized. Even worse, even worse, you got posterized by my wife. Yeah. And out of context, I realize that sounds pretty that bad. That does sound weird, yep. Yeah. Um, so here's the backstory. So this this weekend on Saturday, my wife and I, we got free tickets to Universal, which means we're hitting Harry Potter World and we're hitting it hard. Oh, wow. Um, it's only a half hour away. It's pretty awesome. It's great. If you haven't been, you should definitely go. I posted some pics on Instagram and on Facebook of us at Harry Potter World. And one of our listeners, Thomas O'Neill Roy, shout out to him. Yep. Uh, he commented by asking me, what my house was, what my house in Harry Potter that is. And I told him, I'm about that Hufflepuff life. So he responds with... a real quote with, that you said. Real quote. Um, he responds with, that Chris Marler is a Slytherin. To which you like said... Unnecessary. You said, no, I'm a Bama fan. And then in from the top rope comes my wife, who says, same thing. So congratulations to you. You got dunked on about something that relates to Harry Potter. That I've never um, seen. I don't get. But I. But I, see that that was the impressive part of it. And I can. I can. I can. I'm a. I'm a dad now. You know what I mean. I'm a. No, pa, I'm a. Pa, no, no, don't be. No. I, you know. So it's like I totally get it. I can. I can admit when I'm wrong. And I. I. I got. Yeah. I don't even know anything about Harry Potter. But I knew when it was said. I was like, that was good. I got burned. I got burned. You did. You did real good. Um. I feel good. But. The big headline of the weekend was not me going to Harry Potter World, though that was pretty awesome. Um, The Super Bowl is set, and there is an SEC fan guide to the Super Bowl. If you're an SEC fan, you're thinking to yourself, I don't care about the Patriots anymore. I don't even care about the Rams. I wanted to see Saints play Saints against the Chiefs. I want to see a high-scoring game. You need reasons to watch this. You need reasons to consume this. Yeah. I've got all your storylines for you that relate to the SEC right I'm here. surprised you don't have the one that's going to be a focal point next week. I'll go ahead and let you know. That'll be the prop bets that Uncle Chris brings in. Right. That's yeah. that's a little bit more, you know, kind of b- bigger picture stuff. That's not so much SEC Investment focus. opportunities, stuff like that, yeah. <laughs> Big investment opportunities. Let me tell you about it. So, we know that Bill Belichick and Nick Saban have never won it all in the same year. Ugh. And so nobody, besides Auburn fans, was happier. The, nobody was happier to see Bama lose to Clemson than Patriots fans because Patriots fans are like, right. hey, that means we can win it all. So Patriots are going to win it all. You heard it here first. Also, we actually, it's kind of weird to think about 2013 was the last time that we went a year without Bama or the Patriots winning it all. Um, that's yeah. Mark, so really strange. A, a couple weeks ago, like Mark Burnett posted posted an article about some. This was before the the championship, and he was like, you know, a short time ago, they were wondering if Bama would ever be able to compete for a title. And I was like, oh, he must be talking about before Saban got there, like in the '90s. And he was like, back in 2013. I was like, 
Yeah, about that. So, speaking of taking a, t- a step back in time, when Brady won his first Super Bowl, and I know you are going to get a kick out of this, back in 2001, Sean McVay was a sophomore at Marist at High Marist School. At Marist High School in Atlanta, Georgia. He's, yeah. I hate that, that's my least favorite thing in sports, is like, we've joked around with the Lincoln Riley thing, I thought Lincoln Riley was, was 32, he's obviously 35, as you were right about. Sean McVay is from Atlanta, and he, they, they brought up this morning, or they brought up yesterday during the broadcast, and it was like, where were you when you were 32? And I was like, I'm physically here, manifested on my couch, <laughs> playing with a dog I just got, pretending I'm a parent. And what do you, like, why? Why do you ask? And it was like, here's what Bud Phillips was doing. Here's what so-and-so. And I was like, cool. Well, I bet they never had a podcast, so there's that. So are you, wait, you're, so you're the same age. I'm the same age as, as Sean, Sean McVay. McVay. He is an NFL head coach. But were you the same graduating year too? No, so he's a year, he's technically about to turn thirty three, I think, in the next month. So he was okay. he was oh three, dude. I'm oh four. So whatever. Gotcha. So right. you were so in like least, third grade when that happened. Yeah, basically. Um, so at least you got that working for you. So um, he also went to a Catholic high school. I got kicked out of Catholic school. He's better in everything. Yeah, than me. Very true. Four year starter as a quarterback and as yeah, a defensive yeah. back. Cool. Um, he he was, play. yeah, Georgia four A offensive player of the year back in two thousand three. Yeah, he was pretty good. Um, the pictures of him that have been thrown out of the internet, thrown up there on the internet are great. I mean, it's, yeah. it's really fun to look at. Um, but yeah, so Sean McVay, that whole thing is going to be played up. The whole Brady, um, Sean McVay age gap is going to be everywhere. 24 SEC players in this game. And if, if, if you haven't seen the breakdown, I won't run through all of it. It's over on uh, SaturdayNonSouth.com. But this is interesting. Yeah. So Michael Bratton, our own Michael Bratton, uh, tweeted a, a couple interesting notes, I thought. Tennessee has sent the most players to the Super Bowl of any SEC team. That's 63. What a homer, the, dude. <laughs> he had some stuff that wasn't, that wasn't no, just Tennessee was stuff. No, really good stuff. Um, that's, that's second only to Miami, by the way, with 65. Yeah. This, this I didn't know. This is the 18th consecutive Super Bowl with Georgia and LSU players in it. That's the longest streak in the country. And Florida is in second place with 17 straight years with a, a player in the Super Bowl. It's the 18th that's, straight that's year amazing. that Georgia hasn't won. Uh, never mind, we'll stop. I'm so, I'm sorry. I'm hurt people nice. hurt people, and I'm I'm we we skipped over it. You already skipped over it. We'll talk about it uh, at the end of this part, I guess. But we got to talk about how these teams got there. I mean, NFL refs are the worst. Let's be honest. It's it's not the NFL refs. It's the fact. This is what bothers me. And this is the only reason I'm bringing it up is because it's it's a. Tip of the cap once again to college football, which is obviously our favorite. That's what we cover. But the reason why this is so bothersome is like, I know people hate the Patriots, right? Like a lot of people hate the Patriots. I I'm have family from up there. I'm a big Sox fan. I don't like the Patriots as a Falcons fan. But to have the rules in place in a game of football, when you're in your 18th game of the year, where they win the coin flip or coin toss, and the best offense in the NFL doesn't get a chance to even step on the field. It sucked, man. Like, it was great football all day, but it kind of sucked. It was like like that was the ending of that game. It was the same as the Super Bowl a couple years ago. It just, it, ugh. The, the NFL's a great product, but it, that's one thing college definitely gets gets right, that the NFL doesn't, and that's the overtime rules. Eat that, NFL. Yeah, take yeah. that, Roger. Bad Dell. Boom. Roasted. First person to ever say that. Mm-hmm. Georgia has the most players of any SEC team in this game, which, by the way, is being played just down the road from you uh, in beautiful Atlanta. Five Georgia players in this game. And here's the thing. We get Gurley against Michelle, and they were, of course, were teammates back in 2014. Yeah. 
I may I keep saying this, and I and I'm writing a story on this right now for SDS about the Georgia running back crop. This is kind of the first. This is sort of ushering this new era of Georgia running backs in the NFL, where Georgia running backs are maybe on the kind of on the verge of accomplishing something that even Alabama didn't do with Eddie Lacy, oh, uh, Derrick no. Henry. Georgia Charles running Richardson. backs are much better than Bama running backs. It's 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 setting up for there to be six starting running backs from Georgia yeah. in the NFL by 2022, which is unbelievable. I right. mean, I, I I can't even put into words of like how how impressive an accomplishment and what that would mean for Georgia recruiting. Right. I mean, that, the benefits of that are incredible. But what I what I thought was the best the the big takeaway from this was of <laughs> course the, the the Todd Gurley Instagram post was the star of the post game show. That was incredible. Uh, if, if you haven't seen it yet, Todd Gurley. Um, had a picture that was photoshopped where he was exchanging jerseys with the ref. That was he's holding up the ref. The responses that got was some of my favorite stuff oh, I'd ever man. seen because my buddy sent it to me and he's a Saints fan. He was like, "I was like, I'm sorry for your loss," but as a Fal- like, as, it's not even a Falcons fan. As, as a native Atlantan, I was glad that it was good for the city to not have the Patriots and the Saints coming to town. But when he said like, he sent me that, I was like, "This can't be real, right?" And he was like, no, you idiot. It's like not a real picture, but it's on his Instagram. So I yeah. posted, and the, the responses we got were like, this is not the same person. It's a fake account. It's like Nebraska fan I sent you. Like, he was in all caps yelling about like, trash, I'm unfollowing. And then like, he's like somebody sent like responds back. I'm like, no, this is definitely him. There's a verified blue check. His name's there. He signed it. And it was like, I apologize. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, what? Like, you're so up in arms about that, man. It was it was such a like one guy did say he goes, "Ain't no way it's a real ref. He's wearing Saints pants." And I was like, <laughs> "Yes, that is true. It was definitely photoshopped." Um, God, it was funny though. It was really funny. Well, I love internet reactions and yeah. stuff like that. that That's my job. So, great. so, gosh, what a terrible way for that game to end too, with the, with the pass interference that one of the worst blown pass interference calls we've ever seen. I Awful. mean, just. Just horrible. It's it, it was such a, a bummer to see that, but awesome. Like credit to Todd Gurley for like recognizing in that moment. Yeah, like, well, I mean, how big like, of a break thank that God, was because Gurley did not have much of an impact in that game at all. He's not healthy. He's also, not healthy. side note, I don't know if you guys have seen this. Yeah, he can't be healthy. Um, side note, the other best post of the entire day was the person I don't know who his name. I'm forgetting it right now, but uh, the guy who tweeted out a picture of the Florida parent dressed in the Gators all orange uniform. Remember, like the the short. Oh Reggie yeah, Dad, and he was like yeah, yeah. C.J. Anderson having a day right now. I was that was killing me. No, but like going back to what you're saying, like you talk about like the Georgia running backs that are going to be in this game and in like the future for the NFL. It really is impressive, and like a lot gets made about that, where it's like you know Georgia running back you. But think about this. So so Sony Michelle has five touchdowns like in these playoffs, which is tied for the most ever in the playoffs by a running back. Right? He's only played two games. Okay, you know who he's tied with Terrell Davis. Terrell Davis, Georgia who we've back. joked around about last year. It's like. He, there was this era, and this is before you were, hell, probably before you were born, man. Uh, no, this, there was this era, like, in the 90s of Georgia running backs where it was like, hold on. Like, they would get to the NFL, and even me, that's, like, been an avid SEC football fan since I was, like, you know, very young. I remember Garrison Hurst being a Heisman finalist, but, like, Robert Edwards, who was going to be, like, the next big thing, I thought, for, uh, for like, in the NFL until he tore his ACL. And then Terrell Davis, who was a Super Bowl MVP, and you're like, wait, when did he play at Georgia? That's just like this mm-hmm. constant, constant uh, just onslaught of running backs like throughout the years. So, yeah, he's he, he's tied right now with Terrell Davis, another Georgia running back. Uh, and most likely, I think, will probably break that record. It's crazy. 
And it's amazing, too, that both of these guys are first-round picks. Yeah. All of, I kept seeing last year was the most ridiculous so thing in dumb. the world. When people were talking about Saquon Barkley and why he shouldn't go number one overall, and people are saying, well, if you look at the last blah-blah-blah teams to make the Super Bowl, and then if you try and figure out how many first-round backs that they had, and there was one, and it's like, okay, well, does that mean just having a first-round running back means that you're exempt from making the Super Bowl? Like, Thanks a how lot, does that Trent work? Richardson. Thanks a lot, yeah. dude. Exactly. So I, I'm, I'm glad to see that that trend is changing, yeah. and a lot of people are realizing, like, hey, drafting a running back high like Gurley or Michelle or Chubb, it can work out pretty well for you. Just yeah. saying. Dude, I mean, Chubb, both of those guys Chubb are, going 33rd or 34th overall? like 35th, yeah. 35th? Okay, so like in the top five picks of the second round, what a steal, man. Like, it's, it, yeah, like, and again, it just... All of those, all of those running backs were on, uh, on the on what do you call it, um, on George's roster at the same time, and that doesn't even include. And I've, we brought this up a couple weeks ago. I forgot his name again. He was a five star, Keith Marshall. Keith Marshall right, was right. on the same squad, and he was he was rated I think higher than all of them besides Gurley. Yeah, it really is unbelievable to think about that pipeline. Uh, also, an unbelievable thought: Alabama has two players in the Super Bowl. That is half as many as Rutgers. Dynasty's over, dude. I already told you that. So. Dynasty's over. Uh, fun, fun little quick story time for you. I don't, I don't know if I told you this. I don't think I did. Um, so this is the first time that twins have ever played uh, in the Super Bowl at the same time. Why would you uh, tell Devin, me that? Devin and Jason McCourty. I got a story for you. Okay. I promise it's it's relevant. Um, so two weeks ago, this is. I, I'm already talking about. I talked about my Harry Potter plans this past Harry Potter World plans this past weekend. Well, two weeks ago, I was at uh, brunch in Winter Park. Lit. And yeah, oh, it was great. It was. Unbelievable. If you've ever been to Briar Patch in Winter Park, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so my wife and I are leaving after our bottomless mimosas. Nice. And um, so we're leaving and uh, we're, we're walking out and we're, you know, we see on the other side of the street, these two guys who are walking right past us and, you know, they have like an athletic build and I'm like, that's the McCordy twins. And she's like, no, no, that's not those. I'm like, yeah, they're, they're starting, they're starting defensive backs for the Patriots. So I say to my wife, I'm like, I'm like 90% sure that's them. And I, you know, I don't really recognize people very often, but they look so similar, and I'm convinced it's them. And so I say to her, I'm like, yeah, that's that's definitely them. So I'm like, all right, I know how I'll find this out. So I, I wasn't gonna like say anything to him. I wasn't gonna like, you know, because I'm not like a fan of them necessarily. Right. Like, I don't like root for them. So I decide I'm gonna I'm gonna send him a message on Twitter and see like, hey, settle a debate for us. My wife and I are trying to, yeah. you know, figure out if that was you in Winter Park. And it was during the bye week. The yeah. Patriots bye week. So I'm like, oh, yeah, of course it makes sense. And so I asked him that. And sure enough, it was them. So Devin McCourty and Jason McCourty were doing what I was doing, which was eating brunch in Winter Park during the bye week, enjoying the good life. And here they are going to the Super Bowl. Good for them. Think about what you can do now. Yeah. Think you about can what go I can to the do. Super Bowl. We, we talked about earlier, you know, Sean McVay. Oh he's in the God. Super Bowl at 32. This Unbelievable, is a, a big man. Moment. Yeah, you got five more years so you get to do that. My favorite part of that story is that in the Google Doc, just a little peel behind the onion. <laughs> Uh, peek behind me, and we haven't done that in way too long. Oh, yeah. um, it, Connor wrote under as like a bullet point. It said "story time." <laughs> awesome, awesome. Oh, All right, gosh. let's move on to right. SEC coaching news updates. There's a lot. There, there are a ton. Um, the theme of the last week really has been, oh, you got a, you got a coach on your staff that I want in the yeah. SEC. I'm just gonna go get him. I'm just gonna take him from you. Um, a bunch of teams in the SEC stealing left and right. Georgia steals Florida cornerbacks coach Charlton Warren to coach the defensive backs. And why is this significant? Because seven days after Warren hosted number 49 overall recruit, Kair, uh, Kair Elam. 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 Why did I say Elam? Yeah. yeah, I could be wrong. Big, big, big time get. 
um, that Florida is, is fighting with Georgia for, then Warren goes to Georgia, and it's the same weekend that Elam is visiting Georgia. So there, there are some, you know, the, the message boards are having a good time yeah. with, with that whole back and forth. And just a, a little bit of a savvy move from, from Kirby Smart to get a guy like that and the timing of it, it's, it's one of those things that, that just kind of reminds you of, yeah, these things, you know, we, we tend to think that the coaching carousel stops, but little moves like this w- will be one of those underrated things that if, you know, if he becomes a star and all SEC guy, maybe a couple years from now we'll look back and be like, oh, yeah, remember when Kirby Smart made that little, little yeah. move right before signing day? Well, so first off, if he goes to Georgia, he's automatically become a five-star, it's a good, so it's a good move for him. I like that. True. Um, did this happen on Saturday? I think it happened on Saturday. Yeah. Okay, so I was on Twitter for most of the day on Saturday, just like trying to live tweet these basketball games and pretend like I knew what I was doing. The Georgia Florida back and forth on Twitter is out of control. It's it is crazy. Jerry Springer level incredible. It is so much fun <laughs> to watch. And you, you like I saw several tweets which is like, you know, Florida fans like, yeah, they're only they're trying to steal our coaches now because we're nipping at their heels, and like Georgia fans are clapping back, obviously like Dude, we've beaten you by a combined like seventy points the past two years. Like it's it's yeah. been a lot of fun to watch. So I hope they keep doing that. So speaking of Georgia coaches, new Georgia offensive coordinator James Coley is apparently a candidate to get the Cowboys offensive coordinator job. Why was Cheney in Athens for this long if this guy is this good? Like I don't understand. Like no idea. Coley, Coley, remember like reading about this and we brought it up last week. He was a he was a nominee or candidate nominee. That's not the right. Like word. It's an award. Yeah, the candidate for the Texas A and M job, but he's like, no, no, I'm gonna go be assistant OC at Georgia under Kirby because he's got a great haircut. And now all of a sudden, yeah, he is. I heard him and Mullen are are two of the like. They're not gonna get Mullen, but like those two are apparently the two front runners that that Jerry Jones wants. Well, because they want someone Dak. that can basically coach Dak's skill set. Which, yeah, let's, let's just go get Dan Mullen. Let's go get the guy who's who's making six million dollars. I'm sure he'll want to take a coordinator position in yeah. the NFL. Yeah, why don't you just right. get a better quarterback? Yeah, uh, that's probably a better way to do it. Um, so that that whole thing is, we still don't have anything final on that, which is kind of weird in itself because Georgia has already announced him as the new offensive coordinator, the yeah. upgraded position for him, uh, taking over for uh, for Cheney, of course. But now, so offensive court, when it comes to offensive coordinators, we're still trying to figure out what it's going to look like at, at Alabama, too, because we, we talked about this last week, and we joked that the Steve Sarkeesian thing was going to go final right after we recorded. Oh, yeah. It's been nine days since it's been reported, and Alabama has still not come out with an official release to say, yes, Steve Sarkeesian is our new offensive coordinator, and here's what, what you know the terms are going to be and all that stuff. Dude, my ears What's holding all of this up? This happened. Think about that. My ears didn't work for like three weeks. My ears are working again, and this still hasn't been <laughs> this still hasn't been finalized. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know what's holding all of it up. We've joked around about different reasons. It, it, I think I think what we talked about kind of off air is probably what it, what it actually is, and that is Sark maybe still holding out for some NFL job so he can exhaust all efforts to not have to actually go live in Tuscaloosa and, and be working under Nick Saban. What's fascinating about this is, and we talked a little bit about it last week was the Dan Enos thing. And then you have the article that comes out from The Athletic, and Bruce Feldman's fantastic, fantastic reporter. Um, it was a really good article. But the stuff about Dan Enos leaving in the middle of the night, this whole thing, we, we brought it up last week, like this whole thing seems so bizarre from like the, co- not just coaching carousel, but like, you know, all of the, I don't want to say fleas, <laughs> fleeing? What's the word I'm looking for here? Yeah, departures. Departures mm. better, but I, I want to say it more like aggressively. Um Yes, like people just 
abandoning their post here under Saban. And I think it's it probably seems like it is an issue at this point, not just like, we'll replace him. Danny just left in the middle of the night. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's a strange move, and he came out and he addressed that and basically told you know what the the backstory was behind some of that. But that's uh, that's still one of those things that just kind of makes you wonder. Just kind of makes mean, you wonder what the dynamics are. I've ghosted people before. I've been ghosted. I think it's the the Irish goodbye is a great move. Good for you. I'm not mad at you for doing it because I wouldn't have wanted to face it and be like, hey, coach, good morning. It's like a six a.m. meeting. I mean, like. That whole shirt's like, not until I had my coffee. I can't imagine saving before he's had his coffee. And Enos, Enos leaving in the middle of the night, I, I saw what he posted about, you know, like the quote he had. Like, he's like, that's not what happened. I left in good standing, blah, blah. And then the first thing I see after that, like, first response was from, like, some of the, like, the reporters in Tuscaloosa was like, regardless of what he's saying, they showed up for a meeting the next morning and his office was emptied out and he left after everyone the night before had left. Yep. Yep. And that is weird. So... Uh, of course, after we record this podcast, yeah. this time the Sarkeesian deal will be final, and we'll have all the information. Or Saban's going to say he's going out for cigarettes and never return again. Oh, that'd be a fun little hot little take. Twist. Uh, so Alabama though did steal Tennessee special teams safeties coach Charles Kelly. I, I put this in here because you know th- this this type of stuff happens. It's not yeah. really that crazy. Uh, Volquest reported that he's going to coach the secondary at Alabama, and he's going to make close to a million bucks. Which is yeah, we're saving a lot of money because we have we have Butch Jones, and he's oh, exactly. only making like thirty four thousand right now, so he can still collect right. that three and a half bill. I, I mean, yeah, one one million for that is a lot. That, that does seem a little bit uh, aggressive. Um, Tennessee had to find a spot for for T. Martin. Uh, he had, they they had to get somebody off of their their ten assistance yeah. um, staff, so that actually kind of works out f- for them, but maybe not by design. I don't know, but that that just seemed a little bit strange. And then Alabama also went out and stole Mississippi State running backs coach Charles Huff. And you ask who's Charles Huff? He was the guy who was behind Saquon Barkley's rise at Penn State, oh, was God. a key member of that James Franklin staff, and working on Joe Moorhead's offense, he followed him down to Starkville. And, you know, I, Bruce Feldman, as we you know just talked about, great reporter, and I'm very curious as to, to what was the circumstances surrounding this, but Feldman reported that Huff had turned down <sighs> the, the head coaching gig at NIU and that he had a position on the Notre Dame staff that he turned down as well, but when Alabama came calling, he's like, nah, I can't say no to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Kylan Hill was not know, too happy about that. Those are really good opportunities. I was kind of surprised that he would do that, but yeah, good I wonder for what us? that. I wonder what that opportunity at Notre Dame was. If it was just as simple as coaching the running backs, and he's like, no, nah, I got a pretty good thing going here at Mississippi State. The real I don't question know, is Ky- how long is it going to take you to call him Charles Hufflepuff? Uh, not that, not that long. I, uh, Charles Huff follows me on Twitter, so sick brag to me. What? Uh, I follow him too. Yeah, he's a good guy. Okay. Um, yeah, but Kylan Hill wasn't too happy about it. He tweeted. The Mississippi State running back, who we expect to be yeah. the, the workhorse uh, next year, he uh, he tweeted, "That's what, and this is why I don't get close to people." Oh so, wow! I'm who here hurt you, Kylan? Who hurt you? I'm, I'm here for that. And then Alabama went and stole Kyle Flood from I don't know, I don't know where Kyle Flood was working because last I heard of him, he was fired as Rutgers coach back in 2015 because he had like a dozen players arrested. He also got suspended suspended for having impermissible contact with a professor, which I promise is not as bad as it sounds. It's actually basically saying to a professor, "Hey, can you get this kid's grade changed? Um, really need his, need his grade." That changed. sounds a lot worse than whatever I thought you were gonna say, Connor. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So Bama brings on offensive line coach that was kicked out of Rutgers for cheating, but it's fine. They also have four more, four players in the Super Bowl compared to our two. So Rutgers so, owns Bama. Rutgers is rolling right now. That's right. All right, so there was there were a lot of lot of interesting coaching things um, across the SEC, and this isn't 
this isn't news yet, but I've, I've had this in the holster for a little bit. And I've hinted at some of this, but I really dug into it a lot more. And uh, shameless plug alert, I uh, did a column on this, on this subject for SDS uh, at the end of last week. And this is all about Ed Orgeron and why he needs an extension. I know we have a lot of fun with Coach O. We do Ed Talks, and it's great. And it, it's like, you know, we... We love the fact that he has become this perfect character in the SEC. But the reality is he, he needs to be making more, and he's going to be making more. That much I'm very sure of. Uh, Joe Oliva, a guy who, you know, we had Peter Burns come on and basically say, Joe Oliva went all in on Ed yeah. Ogeron and was willing to say, like, I need to give this dude a chance because it's not just going to be a, a one-year thing, a two-year thing. I, I brought him in here because he's I think a he's a recruiter. And that's that's why I need to see him do. And so, sure enough, you know, in the first two years, you, you know, you could you could you could look at the Alabama stuff all you want, but the body of work is still extremely impressive when you actually break it down a little bit deeper. And I threw out a couple of these stats. So, if you take out the Alabama games, and I realize that's yeah, saying a lot, that's, I take out the Alabama that's a good games. Move. Take out the Alabama games because nobody should be measuring themselves to Alabama unless they're Clemson and maybe even Georgia, but even that, I'm not sure about right. that. LSU under Ed Odron as head coach, not interim, but just head coach. He's seven and two against ranked against ranked opponents, against top ten opponents that are not Alabama. He is five and zero. Yep. I threw that stat out to Peter Burns when I went on uh, SEC this morning last week, and he had to stop me right. to repeat that stat. Peter Burns, who is as plugged into all things LSU as anyone, yep. did not believe that stat. So to me, when you consider all of that, and then you remember, oh wait. This dude was the number 36 highest paid coach in the country who made the same exact salary in 2018 as Chad Morris. This is somebody who made $1 million more than his top assistant. That is the smallest gap of any of any SEC coach against his top assistant. If you actually break down the averages of SEC head coaches compared to what their top assistants make, the average is $3.5 bucks. So... Only $1 million difference there after Dave Aranda got the massive raise yeah. to make $2.5 million a year last year. So that that that's going to change. We expect that. He's right. going to make at least double of what his top assistant makes. He deserves to because look at the New Year's Six Bowl coaches. The, 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 the coaches who won New Year's Six Bowl games made at least $6 million. Who? Dan Mullen made the least of any of the New Year's Six Bowl coaches who, who won those games at $6 million bucks. So that, to me, shows, all right, let's let's step back and think. I understand that, that coming into the season, people are skeptical. He's on the hot seat. But it blows me away that even after a season in which LSU finishes with its best AP ranking since that runner-up season back in 2011, that when this story gets thrown out on Twitter, and I understand Twitter's not always the best barometer for things like this, but the article itself on Twitter the four comments that I saw off of this tweet, uh, the, off the SDS tweet. First one says, I am afraid that people are getting too excited about yep. him too fast. I like him, but let's grade him after this year. So dumb, because you wanted to fire him last year. I, I commented on that. So Kirby Smart, after year two, gets that big extension. I understand going to a national championship game a little bit different than winning the Fiesta Bowl, but we can judge coaches after, after two years. It's not that crazy of a thing. They wanted Another to have comment. him out at the beginning of last year. That was the biggest topic of conversation in LSU football before last season. Because, because, and like this is an incredible 
incredible list of like the rant and stuff like that you went on. You called a rant. I thought it was very, very well put, very eloquent. <laughs> but I brought this up last year when they had Burrow, and I t- talked about the fact that like his record is like sixteen and five. That's including Alabama games as the head coach, and uh, whatever it was against the spread too. That that loss you talk about that they were uh, seven and two against top twenty five teams. One of those is by one point to Florida. Like the other to Notre Dame, right? Yeah. And uh, it's, at a it's, neutral site. It's outrageous. Yeah, exactly. And that was by three points. Right. Right. So it's it's outrageous to me that like this was the premier topic of conversation for LSU fans. I can watch my levels going up and down right now because I'm so so heated right now for that show. <laughs> um, no, but it really was. It was that was the t- the biggest topic of conversation. And now for that guy to say that was really. Uh, it gets better. It gets better. So this one, uh, I'm, I'm just going to throw his, this guy's handle out there. And if he listens to the show, great. And he can respond and tell me how big of an idiot I am. But uh, DrewBY79 said, raise slash extension for what? Has he recruited a QB that can actually play yet? Oh Done an increasingly average job with LSU's resources. So you know off, what? He recruited Burrow. He recruited Burrow. He recruited Joe Burrow to come to Baton Rouge. How are people forgetting this? Just because you have a guy as a freshman doesn't mean that you can't that he's not still a recruit if he's a grad transfer who has right. two years of eligibility left. He doesn't come to LSU unless Coach O is able to to to, to finalize yeah. whatever negotiations were going on behind closed doors and say, "Look, Cheating. I need you on campus. You're going to be the difference for that." Yeah, I probably no, shouldn't phrase it that way, but you you know what I mean? Like he's not closing closing that kind of a, a big decision right. unless he has the, the head coach's stamp of approval. So that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. To say that he's done an average job with LSU's resources. Dude just won a New Year's Six Bowl. He has gone 11-5 and five against the SEC since he's been a head coach. And I understand that Three that's not losses. Alabama levels. But we've talked about how, yeah, those close losses and what, and what they've meant and how much better of a team that LSU has been really since that Troy loss. I mean, it, it really kind of goes back to that, and that, that being the turning point for this, this era that, that he's embarked on. So two other comments real quick. Considering they were about to fire him before last year, I suspect it will be a meager raise. Don't want any shades of Gus Malzahn living about. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I get what he's, what he's saying, but he's saying it incorrectly. A meager race. I'm just a glad that you're race. so heated over Twitter comments. This is what I do on a daily basis, man. I know. So I don't. I don't usually get fired up about this, but I just think that that people are so unwilling to give him any sort of credit. Meanwhile, Kirby, who's got these yeah. big time resources, and while I'm I'm a Kirby believer, I think that we we view him in such a different light and. A lot of it has to do with the fact that this guy 10 years ago was not a good head coach and because it went so horribly at Ole Miss. Yeah. But how much does the guy have to do to show, look, I've learned from my mistakes and I'm a different coach. I am a different person than right. who I was back when I made those mistakes back then. So last comment. Take me or, back, or last, Rhonda. Last comment real quick here. Five-year extension, 4.7 mil, a lifetime supply of Zatarans, beef jerky, and they changed the name of Mike the Tiger to Ed. They need to delete that right now immediately because, one, Mike the Tiger needs to have his name saved. But also, if Orgeron sees that, he'll take that deal. So for his own sake, they need to take that down. I, I would like to see him get roughly – he's making $3.5 million. I would like to see him get a raise of $3.4 million for obvious reasons. Yes, and yes. that he, would be nice. I mean, I don't know how much he deserves to make in a year. I, I'm not going to get into the, the wage gap crisis that's plaguing the SEC – I, at all, but like he, dude, again, and I saw that comment. I remember saying, seeing it made, and like, and and guys, I want you to know, and this is Uncle Chris talking to you, and so it's it might not come from the best source. Connor, you probably need to back me up on this. 
we're not bringing up this subject, even though Connor brought it up, um, to dispute and argue with people on social media necessarily. It's the fact that this is a, an actual thought that is out there and the narrative that's been built about Ed Orgeron, and it really is like trying to poke, trying to poke holes in it. It's unfair. I mean, it really yeah. is. It's the same thing as I said this last year. We talked about this, I think, in early August because I remember actually I remember it on the show. I went on this whole whole like soapbox about why he deserves to keep his job and how much good he had done. And we I brought up the records, everything like that. And at the very end, you said, "Who's the first coach you think will be fired?" I was like, "Probably Coach O," because I mean, he, there was so much speculation about it. It was the biggest topic or point of conversation about the program. And what he's been able to do this year, you think about that schedule, and I don't care if Miami fell off and they didn't have a great season. Think about the schedule he had. Think about what he did to Georgia. No offense, guys. Like killed him. Killed him. Killed him. Killed him. He, I mean, didn't have a great like didn't have a great win or a great game, obviously, against Alabama. And but you think about that schedule they had and what they had to do. You lose in the swamp, in the in the loudest stadium in the history of the world. But like, that was you, the but, loudest moment. But seriously, that's yeah, a, right. that's a 10-win team that, that won a New Year's a New Year's Six Bowl. And you lost them on a pick six. Like the, the what he was able to accomplish this year against those odds is you can't you can't say enough about it. You won't. So a few things to remember with this, because this is going to be brought up throughout the offseason. Joe Oliva is going to extend extend him. I mean, I, I feel very good that Coach O is going to get paid. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's going to be somewhere in the mix of 5 to $6 million a year. I know that sounds like a lot, but that's just kind of the going rate. And if you're a, an LSU fan that's worried about that, take comfort in the fact that you basically saved $5 million bucks on Les Miles because they settled with him for $1.5 million so that he could be freed up to go take the Kansas job. Yeah, that's and a now gift. That, that's, that's a big, big gift to be able to get at this time when you're trying to figure out negotiations. And while some might say, and Dan Wolken is a big, big time uh, advocator of the why do you need to extend a coach yeah. premise. And like he was saying last year, like why does Georgia need to extend Kirby Smart? Kirby's not going anywhere. He's he's George guy. He's Georgia through and through. Pay you me. You never know. Pay you me. You never know the precedent of what it sends to a coach to not pay him for one. Right. And if another team could come in there and just swoop in just like that and take him. Because I'm not saying that this would happen, but in the file this in the crazy things that could happen if you don't watch out for your own you-know-what. What if that USC job opens up next year? What if Clay Helton gets fired from USC and just like that, and you don't have to you play Alabama every year. I'm and, serious. And, and USC is like, hey, we'll give you six million bucks. Come, come over here. You want to be appreciated? We'll show you that type of appreciation. This is a job Maybe that you've always that. wanted. Yeah, and and you know what? You can get some redemption here. Your redemption tour can continue. I'm not saying that that would happen, but that that is why that you go to whatever lengths possible to get those extensions. And it's the agents who throw this stuff out yeah. there. It's not just like teams are just giving a coach money. By just just because like he like he's not even asking for it. And keep in mind too that Jimmy Sexton actually so he represents eleven of the fourteen That's SEC coaches, stupid. big time super agent. Ed Orgeron's not one of them. That's crazy. So I'll be curious to see how these negotiations go. But I still expect him to get paid five million dollars at the very least very that least. he will be making going into twenty nineteen. I mean, Dan Dan well, first off, remember Les Miles is the one that had had the, the contract stipulation in place. He was the first one that ever did it. To where he, after he won the championship with Saban's players in 2007, when they won the championship, it said, I have to make a dollar more than any other coach in the country. He was the first person to come out with that. So 
you've shelled out money before for a coach. You should be doing it at this point for what he for the season he had. And it's not just because, well, he had one good season. You don't want to get caught up in like the Malzahn thing. That's a good point. Totally get it. But in this day and age, in the way that the market is set, that's what is happening. And 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 Dan Wolken, you know how I feel about about stay Wolken. But what I will say is this: the Vandy take from last year, I still haven't gotten over. But to say that you don't need to extend somebody. He, maybe he's right about if he said about Orgeron because Orgeron, this is his dream job. He loves it. I think he honestly would do the best for that school over himself, which is crazy to me. But anyone else in the country, like Kirby Smart, guaranteed if Dan Wolkett was offered double whatever his salary is now. I have no idea what it is, but if somebody offered him double, like, hey, you want to cover Australian tennis on ESPN? We'll triple your salary. Yep, bye. Bye, USA Today. Like, I'm, yeah, that's how the world works, Dan. It's, exactly. it's motivated by money. And in this sport especially, it like... What are you talking about? No, he, he's we, don't, we don't need to extend him because people aren't motivated by money in, in college football head coaching, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> yeah. And he's recruiting at an elite level too, so yeah. any, any questions about that, yeah, those are those are out the window. But okay, so you heard it here first. Consider this the 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 one and only pro coacho get paid podcast. That was a fire take. Yeah. Tell us about our good friends at Texas Pete. I need a break. Oh. Who's here? Oh, wow. It's like you just summoned him. All of a sudden, Coach O is here. Coach O and I have prepared a little song for us, for our, for our listeners. And that is, Thank you, Connor, first off, for the very nice words. Coming in here. It took you long enough. Give me a proper introduction. That 10-minute filibuster about why I need to get paid. It was great. It was great. What I'm going to do is, I'm going to extend an invite your way, since now I know you like brunch. And bottomless mimosas. Can't spell bottomless without an O. Can't spell mimosa without an O. True. Coach, just get to the point. All right, Chris, let me ask you a question. You down with BTP? Yeah, you know me. Why? That is a shameless plug intro into, guys, giving a shout out to our good friends at Texas Pete. Are you down with BTP? We're not going to sing OPP. It's inappropriate. It's explicit lyrics. But BTP, and by that I mean bottles of Texas Pete. Yup, definitely into that. It's not exactly tailgating season. However, one of our listeners on uh, Twitter gave us a shout out. And he actually made a really good point, contrary to some of the stuff we said earlier. Uh, he asked if we were going to be tailgating for the AAC games that are going to be played down the street at the uh, Georgia State Panthers Stadium, I guess. What used to be Turner Field. Our good friend Aaron Murray is going to be playing these games. Yes. AAF, the Alliance of American Football. Whatever. Yeah, yeah that's true. AAC is not the same. Um mm-hmm. Anyway, we're going to be out there with some WCW wrestlers. No, we're going to be at the AAF games. Me, probably Queso, and a fiance. We are going to be tailgating with our friends at Texas Pete. Come say hey. I'll be double fisting like I usually do with two bottles of Texas Pete in my hands. So make sure you head on out and come see us in the next month or so when, that, when those games start. Make sure you come say hey. Make sure you also go to your local stores, buy some Texas Pete. You can't get enough of it. Uh, go to texaspeetcom slash tailgating for some cool recipes. They've got a dust now. Think about this. Let me say this to you right now. Texas Pete dust. Kind of sounds good, right? Go to the website I so I can tell you what it does because I don't really, I don't really know. It's good. I've had it on core. Yeah, you before. said that in very, you know, kind of like, Texas oh, Pete it does some stuff. Yeah. Um. Regardless, oh, go check it out today. Texas Pete dust. Texas Pete dust. Um. <laughs> TexasPete.com/slash/tailgating. Moving on to the serious stuff. We talked SEC hoops with our good friend Adam Spencer. 
he sort of gave us the SEC hoops guide for those of us who are busy watching football. Um, we hit on a ton of stuff. Yeah. Tennessee fans, if you've been a little bit frustrated, you've oh been a little God, bit have you know, a little bit frustrated this football season. This is your chance. We talked a lot of Tennessee. We talked Kentucky. We talked Ole Miss's rise. All these different things. We had football comps for SEC basketball comparisons. Coaches, what he's saying, players, comparisons. Yeah. The sorry, people don't know what comps is. I don't know. Um, yeah, you never know. So here is that interview with our good friend Adam Spencer. We're now joined by our good friend, and I'm, I'm just going to call you this. I don't think this is in your title, but it should be. You are the SDS basketball expert. It is Adam Spencer. Adam, let's let's start right there because you you are a basketball expert. We are not. Talk to us basically like uh, you're Oscar and you're explaining to Michael what a surplus is. Um, why <laughs> should we be watching basketball right now and not just replaying the entire SEC football season? Well, I don't think that we should not be replaying the entire SEC football season. But Good. In Fair games, enough. In between games, you know, maybe we can give some basketball a shot because it is. It's a it's a fun year so far. You know, you got Kentucky at you know, on the rise here. You got Tennessee at the top and uh you know, you've got teams like L S U and Ole Miss and South Carolina's in there at the top of the standings. You know, what's going on there? You got tough teams like Alabama and Auburn and yeah, there's there's top to bottom. Well, maybe not at the bottom because Vanderbilt has been pretty bad this year. But you know, top to middle, it's it's a it's a very fun league to watch this year. So yeah, if you're if you find yourself with uh, some free time on Tuesday, Wednesdays, or Saturdays, you know, turn over to the SEC Network or ESPN, and uh, you're bound to find a quality game on. Okay, so even for somebody like myself who admittedly hasn't been paying a ton of attention to basketball, the Tennessee thing, everybody knows about that by now. They're they're blowing up. They have something special and, you know, they're they look like a team that's going to be competing for a national title. How much better is this team this year than last year's group and should they be the favorites to win it all? The favorites maybe not, but they will if they keep this up, they'll be a number 1 seed and you know, number one seeds. I think I put it in an article that I had about 10 reasons uh, Tennessee can win the national championship. If you look at other than like two times in the past 10 years, maybe it was three times in the past 10 years, a number one seed has won it all the other seven or eight times. So, you know, getting that number one seed is huge and anything can happen from there. You know, we love March Madness for all the upsets and stuff, but once it gets down to like the lead eight final four, you know, you got to go with the chalk and, Tennessee should be, you know, one of the bigger chalk picks, you know, and, and just to like, what's different from last year? Not much, really. It's just these same guys have just taken the the next step. And that's a huge credit to Rick Barnes with what he's done with this team. And if you listen to him, he, he sounds like Nick Saban out there because they'll go out and win by Watch 40 it. and he'll, <laughs> I mean, he does. Tom Crean actually sounds like Nick Saban because he says, I all the time, yep, but, there yep. it is. but Rick Barnes will come in after his team wins by 40 and just say that they played like garbage. And it's just like, what's it going to take for this guy to be happy with this team? But I think he knows that this, this team hasn't played its best basketball yet. And if he thinks that they haven't played their best basketball yet, then that's scary for the rest of the SEC. Well, the other day, you know, Tennessee doesn't win a game by 40. It has to grind one out against Bama. It's down late in that game, controversial traveling call, and Tennessee ends up pulling yeah. out. Did that game kind of expose a potential chink in the armor for Tennessee, or is it just as simple as, like, Alabama's one of those 
teams that could be really scary that nobody wants to play because they kind of have nothing to lose. Which which one do you think it was more so in that game? I think it says a lot about Alabama. They are a team that nobody wants to play, especially, you know, I know this game was in Knoxville, but if, but they anybody who has to go down to Tuscaloosa this year is not going to enjoy that trip. You know, I know that A&M just won there, but when John Petty's on as he was before the travel and when you got Dante Hall, who's a double, double machine down there, you know, it's and Kira Lewis, who's like 17 years old. He's the Jake Bentley of the, of the SEC basketball <laughs> world. You know, he, he should yeah. still be in high school, <laughs> but yeah, when you got those three and you, you've got some key players around them and you've got Avery Johnson as the coach, he's, you know, I, I like him as a coach. So, yeah, I think that this says more about Alabama and, you know, it, they've just got to work on their free throws because that was horrible down the stretch. They would have won that game by 10 if they would have made all their free throws. So, you know, give I, I think that that game was more of, you know, a give credit to Alabama game and it just showed Tennessee's toughness that they were able to do what it took to win at the end in an ugly game. I think that I think that they needed that, though. That's a really good answer, Adam. Really enjoyed that answer. And if all Twitter <laughs> is listening, um, I just want you to know that it's not just me that thought it was an impressive showing and it wasn't a travel call. That's fine. Whatever. We can move on from it. Um, I, I will say that uh, I've never seen a fan base this excited over a three-point win against an unranked team in the regular season. So it's cool to see Tennessee back. Uh, that being said, I bet on Tennessee to cover 13 points. As a degenerate gambler, I'm definitely going to be betting on basketball. Who should I be betting on this week and or this season in the SEC? Okay, well, let's start with this week here. You know, there's some there's some good games coming up this week, uh, especially on Tuesday. You got some, some good ones with uh, Auburn going to South Carolina. You got uh, ranked teams in Mississippi State going to Kentucky. You've got Ole Miss going to Alabama. You know, I think that there's a, I think that the team to ride right now is Kentucky. Like they're they're figuring yeah. it out, and they're uh, you know Ashton Hagens is looking a lot like Shea Gilgis Alexander from last year. You know, it took it took Shea. I think we all agree with that, Adam. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I think it. <laughs> I think it took him a little while to get going, but now he's uh, he's you know he set like a Kentucky Steals record the other day, and uh, yeah, he's. He's coming into his own. Uh, that Keldon Johnson, uh, another freshman there, and Tyler Hero. You know, he's playing some hero ball. Forgive the terrible pun, but he did. He was uh, against Auburn. He he was the hero there and just making every single shot. That was incredible to watch. So you know, if I'm if I'm betting, which I which I am, but if right. I'm a betting man, then uh, I'm I'm riding Kentucky for at least the next week or so here. Thank you. So a team that a team that I think a lot of people weren't really betting on coming into this year, Ole Miss. You know, a team that loses its head coach, Nanny Kennedy, last year. And last I checked, they were a dumpster fire. I mean, in the middle of the season when we're kind of like picking this up at this time last year, it's like, oh, Ole Miss is at the bottom of the SEC, and nobody really expected them to do much of anything for the foreseeable future. I look up, and now they're a top twenty-five team with Kermit Davis, and suddenly they look like they're like maybe a sneaky threat to win to win the SEC. How did that happen? You know, I have no idea. I think I had Ole Miss either 13th or 14th in my preseason power ranking, so I'm as surprised as anyone. And I've I've had to really come around on 
on them a lot, but you know that uh, they they have a young point guard, Brian Tyree, and he's just incredible. And point guard play is what you need to have success in today's game. And he's he's killing it. You got Terrence Davis there in the backcourt with him, and those guys just team up and they provide a solid foundation. And uh, you know they get contributions from the bench. You know they've beaten Auburn by 15 at home, and they pulled off a win at Mississippi state. You know, those are, those are huge wins. And then they just, they just, uh, they had a slip up against LSU, but LSU's the other undefeated team in SEC play other than Tennessee. So, you know, you can't really say much about them yet. Yeah. I'm as surprised as anybody about, about Ole Miss though. I did not see this coming. And I think that that says a lot about Kermit Davis. You know, he took advantage of this, you know, they didn't have the best non-conference schedule, but they did, pick up a win over Baylor and they beat Kermit Davis's old middle Tennessee team by a lot. And, you know, I, I don't know where it came from to be honest with you, but it's, it's been fun to watch and they can score with anybody. So, you know, it'll be, it'll be fun to see how they, how they keep going. And they have another uh, game coming up against Mississippi state on February 2nd. That'll be, that'll be a good one. Yeah. Sometimes that's just how the ball bounces on the slam dunk. And so I think we'd all agree with that. Um, no, I'm kidding. I did know when you said Tuesday, by the way, it's called Super Tuesday, Connor. No big deal. So we're like getting there. We're, start, we're starting to learn a little bit. This has actually been a very good session here, uh, learning a lot <laughs> from Adam. So um, all jokes aside, the newest AP rankings are going to come out roughly 20 minutes after we record this, because that's what we always do, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, Duke lost at home to Syracuse. Uh, a ridiculous game. I think Duke was like a 20-point favorite because I bet on them, too. Uh, they did beat number four UVA. Michigan loses first game of the season at Wisconsin. Should Tennessee be ranked number one in the AP poll this week? I think so. Yes, uh, you're going to have Michigan drop down, and so you know Duke picked up that big win over UVA, so they'll still be in the mix and they'll still be getting plenty of number one votes. But yeah, that home loss to Syracuse that was that was bad. Um, yeah. They were seventeen. They were seventeen point favorites in that game because I, I actually had Syracuse, but now I wish I had bet them straight up. But that would have been ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so you've got Duke that has a key win that just pulled it out uh, over the Cavaliers on Saturday, and that was an exciting game and another uh, that backdoor, backdoor cover. Adam. Backdoor cover, yeah, exactly. That was, <laughs> uh, that was a good one. But Tennessee absolutely at this point deserves to be number one. You know they've have a win over a number one team. Their only loss was to Kansas in overtime back when Kansas was at full strength. And I know that they've fallen off quite a bit here and just lost to a West Virginia team that had yet to win a big 12 game. But the way that they're, the way that Tennessee was playing earlier in the year, the way they're playing now, you know, I, if they would have lost that, uh, that Alabama game, that would have been embarrassing for them just with the chance to jump up to number one. But they pulled it out, and since they keep winning, I think that you have to reward them for that. And so I absolutely think that they deserve to be number one, even if they'll tell you that they want no part of being number one. And so I think with Kentucky, the lazy fan like myself can figure them out pretty easily because you just look at the arc of their season and the narrative that it usually follows, which is they get smacked in non-conference play by somebody that's really good, which happened this year with Duke in the opener, obviously. 
And then they, you know, a freshman team sort of figures it out late and then they hit their stride and then suddenly they look really scary towards the tournament time and then they end up losing, you know, Sweet 16, something like that in, in the NCAA tournament. And we're trying to figure out this year's team because, you know, they're coming off of this, maybe their best win of the season at Auburn. Yeah. I think that's definitely in the discussion. I, I want to know how legit do you think this this Kentucky team is and really how much damage can they do in the postseason? Is this a team that, you know, maybe could hit its stride like last year where down the stretch they looked, you know, like the best team in the SEC and capable of maybe making a run to the Final Four? Yeah, I mean, I think that until they get they get beat in the SEC tournament, that they have to be considered the favorites. You know, they, they've won, I think, like five or six straight SEC tournaments, even if they haven't been winning the regular season title. But that's by design because Coach Cal – he always says, even, you know, after the Duke game, he started saying already, you know, we want to be playing our best basketball in March. And for the most part, that's that's what they do. So the game that, you know, they have a tough stretch February 12th and 16th because they are home against LSU and home against Tennessee. And I think that those are the games that are going to show us where they're at because, you know, this, this weekend they have a game – at home against Kansas, but like I said, you know, Kansas has been falling apart. You know, they lost, uh, they lost their big man, Azubuke in the middle. And just without him, they're a completely different team because it's so much tougher for everybody else to get shots. But that LSU Tennessee stretch mid February, that's where we're, that's where we'll learn a lot about them. And, you know, I, I think that they could, if they go one and one in that stretch or even two and O, which isn't out of the question since they're playing at Rupp arena, I think that uh, you know they could easily show that they're a team that can absolutely win the SEC tournament again and even over Tennessee. So, how many teams in the SEC? This is actually a two-part question here, Adam. How many teams in the SEC are going to make it into the tourney? There's 68 teams out, and also, do you think they should take after the college football playoff and only allow four teams, never including UCL? <laughs> I, yeah UCF's not gonna make it <laughs> and that's uh you know we'll leave it at that they have a good player though UCF if you want to yeah, taco look at a taco fall yeah he's uh seven six or something like that he's yeah seven, he's fun six, to watch taco Mizzou Mizzou beat them earlier this year so that I was watching that but he he's a he's a good player um anyway first part of your question though I think that this is you're not going to see as many as you had in last year, but right. I think you know I think that seven is a possibility still. You've got Tennessee, LSU, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Auburn, and even Alabama's on the outside looking in right now. I think uh, last week Lunardi had him as one of his next four out, and you know I, I don't punish Alabama for losing by three at Tennessee. I think that that was a great game and. So I think that they can build off that and get themselves solidly into the tournament mix here. And outside of that, you've got Florida at ten and seven, Missouri at ten and right. six, Arkansas at ten and seven. You know those teams still are alive, but they've got a lot of work to do, and they've got to really show that they're better than they've been playing. So yeah, I, I would right. say you know I would say five or six probably is the most likely number with a chance at seven. We got a few hypotheticals that we'll close you out with here, um, and this is just going to explain things for football football focused guys like us. Um, all right, so I, I'll give you the option to take Admiral Schofield or Grant Williams. 
versus the, the entire SEC field for player of the year. If I'm, if I'm making you predict right now, which side are you taking in that argument? Oh, it's, I would just take Grant Williams. Yeah. It's going to be, no, it's going to be even Grant ever. Williams. No. Wow. I, I mean, he's, he's solid and all, but you know, Grant Williams won it last year and he's going to, there's no reason that he wouldn't win it again this year, especially if Tennessee continues to win. He's, yeah, he's the leader of that team. You know, Admiral's the vocal leader, and he is knocking down threes at a ridiculous rate. But that, yeah, that team like, that that team rotates around Grant Williams. He well, he's leading the SEC uh, in scoring again too, right? Uh, he's up there. I don't know if he's number. Yeah. I, he might be number one. I don't. Know. But yeah, he's yeah, I think, he's a machine. I think I saw that. Yeah, he's at 18, and then Admirals at 17. They're both two of the top three scores in the SEC. Along those lines, though, Tennessee. I, you know, as we talked about earlier, they seem like this national title contender. I, right now, Tennessee or the field as SEC regular champs. Is it as simple as just taking Tennessee? Yeah, I think so. At this point, I mean, Kentucky is hanging around there, and like I said, LSU's undefeated in SEC play so far. But I don't see that continuing the whole way through the season so yeah i think tennessee's the the bet there and i i think they might make it through with either zero or one loss in the entire sec schedule wow all right let's get to the real nitty-gritty stuff the important stuff um we're going to do a little comparison first and foremost i want to ask you as a fellow dog parent paw see what i did there Oh man, it's like twelve. They're good answer. Good answer. I did one not think I didn't want a corgi when my now wife wanted one. I I wanted a dog that could like go on a run with me and stuff. But you know, corgis with their little legs, they can't do that. But I've I've really come around. You know, I'll that, give a Adam, shout out. <laughs> I'll give a shout out to my dog named Money Penny. So. <laughs> He's listening. a pretty good athlete too. Oh yeah, we're trying to get her to the NFL Combine. She's she's got great defensive back skills. That's right. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we're gonna um, we're gonna do some some comparisons here since we are small right. brain, um, just very narrowly focused on football year round, trying to get this whole basketball thing. So explain it to me like I'm five years old. I'm gonna give you an example of a coach or player from this past SEC football season. You tell me who that would be for basketball, and then I'll go Google search them so I know what I'm talking about by next week. Uh, first and foremost, Coach O. Who is Coach O in SEC basketball? All right, so Coach O, you've got your rah-rah guy who's got a crazy accent. And I'm going to go with Avery Johnson, the Alabama coach. You know, he's from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, – and, you know, he's one of the best motivators. You see him on the sideline, you know, he'll be screaming his head off till. uh he gets in the locker room after a big win and he'll be the first one to start dancing. You know, he's got a ton of energy and that's why I like that comparison to coach. O. That's good. Um, seamless transition. I don't know if there is a sweet Hawaiian prince in SEC basketball, but if there was, <laughs> who would be the two at Doug of Iloa of SEC basketball? So I took this one as meaning like the guy who can do whatever you need to help your team win just the way that Tua distributes the ball and stuff. So obviously I chose the point guard. I'm going with LSU's uh, Tremont Waters. You know, he's up there among the leaders in the SEC in assists uh, per game. He's averaging 13.5 points. He's 
got nearly three steals per game. So anything you need him to do, he can do. And if you watch that LSU offense, which, which I highly recommend, they're a lot of fun, and he's the reason for it. He's lobbing passes to guys. He's hitting guys for wide-open threes. He's juking guys out of their jock straps and hitting wide-open jumpers. You know, he's he's one of the most fun players in the entire SEC to watch, and that's how I felt about Tua, too. How does he handle pain? Is he in the medical tent all the time? Don't, don't answer that. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's played uh, in every game. <laughs> that's, all right, that's fair enough. Um, okay, so up next, this is Connor's favorite besides Joe Moorhead. Benny Snell. Is there anybody that's got a rap album dropping in 2019? Is there anyone that's more, you know, brash and, and competent? Who would be Benny Snell? That's Admiral Schofield. He's, yep. he's the guy. <laughs> yep, he's the he's the guy who's the vocal leader of the Vols. He's the one who's not afraid to say what he's thinking in front of the media and you know, he'll throw in a gator chomp every now and then when they beat the gators and yeah, he's he's the guy. He's I don't know about any rap albums dropping, but uh, you know, who knows? We'll see. Hey. Let's just go on a collab on that one. All right, I'm gonna let you just mm-hmm. I'm not gonna give you the description. I'll let you take it as however you wanna take it. Gus Malzahn. Okay, so this one I felt was the like, is he on the hot seat or not? Because if you wanna go just by looks he he kind of looks like Tom Crean, but I've yeah. got Tom Crean for someone else. But uh, I, I went with the comparison to Mike Anderson because uh, yeah, Arkansas's lost Ooh. four straight four straight SEC games. They're still like, you know, like when Auburn is struggling, and it's like they're still in position for a good bowl game, but people aren't happy. Well, the Razorbacks are still in a position that they could make an NIT or even an NCAA tournament run. You know, they're on the outside looking in for sure right now, but, you know, finish the year strong and we'll see. But with four straight SEC losses, including two at home this past week, you know, he's he's definitely on the hot seat. And he's so, you know, as long as he's perpetually there, because he was, you know, there were some mumblings about him last year too. So I just feel like he's in that Gus Malzahn zone. I like that comparison mainly because I'm a Bama fan. And that's how I feel about Malzahn. And I know you're a Mizzou fan. And the way Anderson left that program was so wrong. Yeah, I mean, that was so long ago. But, like, it seems like it was forever ago. But it, it really wasn't. But, yeah, I mean, there's just been so much that's happened at Mizzou since then. And it's just, you know, most of it not good. <laughs> yeah. People people don't forget. I got your back. Um, okay. <laughs> next, next up. This is, again, one of our favorite cliches from the whole season. Elijah Holyfield, which I don't know if you know this because you're a basketball guy. His dad was a boxer named mm-hmm. uh, Vander. So if there's and uh, and he was one of the and he was one of the worst college game day pickers of all time. That's <laughs> true. true but, yeah. True. <laughs> uh, so this one I had a little bit of trouble with the one that I you know there's the obvious Brad Calipari plays for Kentucky. So oh wow, uh, who's his dad? So yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, he was. I think he used to be you know the UMass coach. Uh, some guy, oh, yeah, John, right. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bob Van, Van cool. <laughs> But I went with uh, a new guy. He's not even in the SEC yet, but Vanderbilt just landed a commitment from Scottie Pippen Jr. Oh, so yeah. That's pretty cool. Connor, there you go. Yeah. yeah so I know him. That, that was pretty cool. Yeah. The they spell their names song? differently, though. Scottie Pippen from the Bulls, he's S C O T T I E, and his 
son, who's Scottie Pippen Jr., spells it with the Y somehow. So I, I don't know. I don't know how I like it. Are still a junior if you spell it differently, but That's anyway. Um, okay, we got a couple more here. I, I think you kind of alluded to this earlier. I think it's a perfect, perfect comparison. Uh, Jimbo Fisher. Who is the fast-talking Jimbo Fisher of SEC basketball? Yeah, it's definitely Tom Crean. You know, he's and it, it's he's from Michigan too. So you know, he comes down south, and people have just as much trouble understanding him as people from the north have understanding Coach O. So it, it, he he gets fired up. He talks fast. He'll start a sentence and end it in a way that's just completely different than you ever thought it could possibly end. So I you know I like what he's he was a big. He was also a big-time hire that uh, came in this yeah. year. Um, and, you know, his team's struggling right now, but I think that they'll turn it around. So I, I like that comparison. Yeah, I saw this past weekend. They um, they kept it close in the first half, and then, shockingly enough, a Georgia team didn't come out for the second half. So moving on. <laughs> Ooh, um, too soon. So, too soon. Little shame. Um, so Kentucky, and this is – who would be the Kentucky – this is going to sound weird. I'm going to try to explain it as best I can. Um, who would be the Kentucky football basketball equivalent, if that makes sense? Like, who's the Cinderella team from this year? Like, we didn't see Kentucky winning 10 games, and then lo and behold, they do. So who would be that version for SC basketball? So I think it's still a little early right now, but right now uh, South Carolina at 4-1 oh. in conference play, you know, that's that's huge. Like, I, I, I think that coming into the year – when the calendar flipped over to January, nobody thought that they'd be, they'd probably figure one in four would be way more likely, but they started off play with uh, a win over Mississippi state. And that was huge. You know, they've, they've got some good wins. They beat Florida at Florida. I don't think that they're going to keep it up, but just having those four wins like that, that's huge. And that was completely unexpected. So that's the, that's my Kentucky football comparison. I think. Well, it's like they always say, Connor, nobody goes into the Colonial Life Center in beautiful downtown Columbia, South Carolina, and comes out of the States. I think we'd all agree with that. Very true. Very uh, true. Yeah, I hear that, okay, I, I hear that all the time. As, as, yeah, exactly. <laughs> as a Mizzou fan, as a Mizzou fan, who would be Drew Locke? Who's a high draft pick this year, um, but from like a mid-tier team? Well, so the obvious comparison would have been to Jonte Porter at Mizzou before he got hurt. Uh, just, right. You know, he's he's still probably going to be a lottery pick. and uh, But another guy who's actually playing this year is uh, Daniel Gafford at Arkansas. He's a big guy. He could have been potentially a lottery pick last year, but he chose to come back for his sophomore season. And he's the one of the few bright spots on this Arkansas team right now. And, it, and it's a team with plenty of talent, but they're just, like we said with Mike Anderson earlier, you know, they're just underperforming. But if you – catch an Arkansas game, be sure to watch him because he's probably, he could be even a top 10 or 8 pick in the NBA draft lottery this coming year. Nice. Adam, along those lines, while we have you, we're, you know, we got to close out with a football question. So, your guy, Drew Locke, you you are, I don't want to say the official Drew Locke stand, but you're you're up there. I mean, if, if it's I'll not you, that. I don't know who else it is. I'll take, um, I'll take it. <laughs> so how how high does Drew Locke go in the draft, and where do you want to see him end up? So where I want to see him end up is somewhere like the Los Angeles Chargers or, you know, I, I don't want him to end up here, but I think he'd succeed if he ended up with the New England Patriots. 
that's where I want him to end up is a team that has an old quarterback that he can learn from for a couple of years because I think that he needs to follow the Aaron Rodgers path of right. development instead of the – or even look at Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes sat for 15 games behind Alex Smith before taking over in the last week of last season. So, yeah, I think that I think that he needs to go to a team where he can sit for a little bit. But I, I depending on how he performs at the Combine, he's going to be one of the guys that everyone has to keep an eye on because that's going to really, like, make or break his first round status because most people have him in the first round, but there's some drafts out there that I've seen that don't have him in the first round, which I, I personally think as the number one drew locks fan, you know, I think that that's ridiculous, but I, I think he could go as high as like number 10. I think where the chart, where, where the Denver Broncos are drafting. And I think that'd be a good fit for him, you know, cause they have case Keenum for a couple more years. So, you know, you sit him behind case at least for, the first part of next season. And then that team has some talent. They've got that rookie running back. They've got a decent offensive line, which is another requirement for a team that drafts Drew Locke. You can't just put them behind the New York Giants offensive line and expect them to succeed. That'd be a disaster. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that the Broncos, you know, a team with a defense like that and, and a team that has some talent, they need to get some receivers too, but... That's where I want to see him end up, one of those teams. Adam Spencer, appreciate appreciate you coming on. We're going to have you on probably every few weeks to explain to us, us football-focused people, what what's going on in basketball season. Or maybe so that we could just try and sound smart to you, and we'll just have you on to sort of <laughs> confirm our opinions. That, that'll that be good, too. But maybe we'll have you on to, like to break yeah. down some Drew Locke combine film, too. That's a good idea, right? Ooh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and we do I like that. that. We don't, we don't get this enough, just in the SEC or in general. I mean, I got a bunch of friends from, from St. Louis, so give me one M-I-Z. M-I-Z. D-O-U, there it is. Wow, that was, uh, that was could, great. That was really talk, inspiring. Uh, we, could, we can always talk cor- Corgi stuff, too, if we want. So That's right. Connor, you better get a Corgi, dude. I know. <laughs> I got to get with the program. I got to. Uh, Adam, thanks for coming on again, and uh, we'll do this real soon. All right. Sounds good, guys. All right, take it easy, man. Appreciate Adam coming on. Uh, we're going to hopefully pick his brain uh, a few more times leading up to uh, March Madness and all of that. Uncle Chris is going to be giving you some good March Madness advice. That much we know. We're going to embark on a new thing, I think, this spring. I missed text you this last night. But maybe maybe we do some little, like, because I, I need Spence to help me with my gambling. I definitely bet on, on Tennessee to cover 13. Also, shout out to Spence on this one. We talked about this. I bet the under in the first half, just so you guys still know how good Vegas still is. The under for points scored by Bama in the first half of that game was 32 and a half. You know how many they scored? 33. 32. Wow. Yeah. So I think one thing we could uh, we should do this offseason is just, you know, gamble on something I don't know about once a week. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I'm going to start a GoFundMe for that. Regardless, we're going to get into fourth and wrong. We've got a, uh, a, a quick one today because um, I forgot to post it. That's why. Mm-hmm. I'll just tell you guys the truth. So we had uh, we had some pretty good submissions. I switched up the wording on some, so some of these are just paraphrased and or um, kind of motivated from some of the things you guys said. So question number one, Con Air. Best fruit snack growing up? This was asked by W. Travis Pace, one of our favorite followers on Twitter. And he first asked, let's make sure we tell him, is Connor an alien? And what else was stolen from his childhood? Because you don't, 
you never saw Hook. Yeah, which apparently means I, I didn't live. Uh, My mom kid. said the same thing. I didn't want to tell you this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Patty Sue yeah. is throwing me under the bus. It's also, oh, the same, she was one of the commenters on from that Twitter rant, too. That was like one of her, that was her third burner account. I don't want to tell you that. Oh, jeez. I'm in bad shape. Best fruit snack growing up, it's, I, I don't think this is really close. It's Gushers, right? So I'm going to disagree with you. Gushers is, is like right up there. I'm a big fan of shark bites. Big fan of shark bites. So it's like, it's the same thing, but there's no juicy filling. They're like, oh, the they're like the fruit the snacks. Part. They're like fruit snacks, but they have a white one that looks like a pencil eraser, but it tastes delicious. Back when I was a bartender and still a grown-up, um, which is sad because I was a grown-up buying this, there was a three-for-one pack, Connor, that was fruit by the foot, fruit roll-up, and Gushers in one. You can find that at your local oh stores. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, definitely get Texas Pete, but also check out this three-for-one Gusher pack, even it's if you're a an dangerous adult. game. Mine is yeah. definitely fruit by, the, fruit by the foot, though. It's three feet of deliciousness, and you could ball it up and put Wait. it in your mouth like tobacco. That's not a fruit snack, though. Yeah, it is. I consider fruit snacks like things... A fruit snack is a very like it's it's like a you know one by one thing Connor, or it's like individual. Fruit by the foot. I know, but I don't consider that a fruit snack. A fruit snack is a separate category. I don't know how to have this argument with you because it literally says fruit by the foot on it. I know it says fruit by the foot, but just because something is fruit doesn't or it's described as fruit doesn't mean that it is a fruit snack. All right, stop yelling. You're gonna wake up my dog. Anyway, <laughs> number two. This was brought up yesterday because hordes of Saints fans, just hordes of Saints fans. Um, we're really upset, and I, I'm not here to make fun of you guys because that was that was a tough way to lose. That was a really really bad call, and I forgot about this too. Back to back years, I forgot about the Minnesota loss last year. Yeah. God. So that was a miserable miserable loss. The question is, what is the worst sports loss you've ever experienced? I already. I think everyone's gonna know our answers. This uh, this Bears loss to. Uh to the Eagles was was up there. It wasn't number one. It wasn't number one. Um, I'm not going to let recency bias say that it was. There you go. I'm, I'm going to probably go back to... 2003. Uh, two, 2003 Bartman was is probably number one, but a close second is also, I think, when the Bulls lost in the conference finals to that Miami team back in 2011. And I was like, that was like peak okay. Bulls fan. And it was like... It was the first. Uh, D Rose. It was the, their, their first year, yeah, and it was kind of like a, their what, what was supposed to be their their peak, their year, and uh, they just they blew it. They won the first game of the conference finals, and then they lost four in a row to that LeBron yeah. Wade Heat team. That was that was pretty rough. I don't have like any big time like devastating college sports losses. Yeah, me most neither. Most of mine are, are pro related, but yeah, those would probably be the the main ones. All right, so everyone knows that I'm a huge Bama fan, and and also because I'm a terrible terrible combination of person and sports fan. A Red mm-hmm. Sox fan, so it goes without saying. Kick six is was just yeah. the the worst. Um, Aaron effing Boone, that was one of the worst. Uh, game seven, like that was it, just for it to end like that was was awful. That was awful. That was two thousand three. I'm gonna give you another one though. So growing up in Atlanta, this was one of the worst because I was obviously pulling for the Braves at this point because being from the city. Um, Ninety seven, the loss to Levon Hernandez. When you talk about, like, I, we joked around last week about the Clemson-Bama loss, how it was, like, this helpless feeling. It's like, oh, my God, there's nothing we can do. I think the umpire's name was Eric Gregg. And Lee, he gave him a foot of room on the outside corner. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And he was calling strikes on Levon Hernandez, who wasn't even a good pitcher, on, like, breaking balls. They were in the – he was. Shut up. I'm, I'm very biased about this. They were breaking balls that were they were like being caught in the other batter's box. Like outside of the women's college world series, I've never seen someone get caught up in the moment that much in balls and strikes. It was terrible. He was getting paid to do it. Anyway, let's move on. 
Uh, here's a question I think everyone's pondered in life from oh, yeah. M. Mirimanian on Instagram. Better album, Atlantis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill, or Counting Crows, August, and everything after? The clear answer here, you 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 ought to know already, is Atlantis Morissette. So the question I'm going to ask you is, what is your favorite album of all time? I'm going to go Thriller, Michael Jackson. I, to me, I could put that on anytime. Doesn't matter. Any point in my life, What's I thriller? can jam to that. So Thriller's got Billy Jean... It's got it's got Billie Jean on there. Uh, does it have? I think it's Can got one. Rock with you. I think Rock with You was before. It's a different album. Yeah. Rock with You was before. That was early. Um, but just an unbelievable collection of hits. I actually had that that um, that poster on my wall in college. It was really? very weird. Yeah. You're an MJ fan. Very weird with people. Oh, I'm a big. Come on. I love Little Michael. I'll I tell you a story off air about the day he died. It was really terrible, but we can't share with our followers. I, I'm a huge MJ fan. I feel like we've talked about that. I don't think I've like told you because definitely... I think it's, it's inappropriate, but it's a funny story. Regardless, uh, my favorite album of all time, that one's kind of tough. I was, I was really good at making mixtapes. I bet you were. <laughs> um, no, I don't. Thrillers, I, I can't really compare to that one. I don't, so I don't really know. I'll just give you the embarrassing one that I think um, I listened to like front to back. I remember like the last one I listened to front to back the most was... Uh, Shoot, what was that band? Taking Back Sunday. I went through a tough phase. That was a. I don't remember the name of the album. Let's just move on. I should have brought it up. I I, I, pushed, I positioned that stupid <laughs> question. I should have just stuck with the latest more said. I did not think it'd be more embarrassing than that. Yep. Regardless, uh, last but not least, so somebody asked, what show do we watch to pass the time in the off season? It's obviously The Office. We talk about it all the time. There's actually a Parks yeah. and Rec uh, marathon on today, just so you know. I've been calling it Barks and Rec because of queso. Anyway, oh, I get it. Um, best show right now on Netflix or Hulu. And I, I, I almost feel like shows that are like The Office or Parks and Rec, shows that are syndicated, they almost shouldn't count for this category because yeah. obviously I'm including them. I love those two. I love New Girl. I could watch those good. all the time, always. Um, my wife and I binge watched this past weekend the show You on Netflix. It is you really really good i know when he tweeted that out i was like oh my god is he living my life it's kind of weird and it's ironically what is it enough, about? based on stock it's based on this guy who's a books he's a bookstore clerk and he basically goes to crazy lengths to stalk this girl that he starts off with just by meeting and then he does a bunch of crazy things to make sure that he's the only person in her life and it's it's just it's it's shot from a really interesting point of view. Um, it's ten episodes in the first season, and it's they're like forty five minutes a piece. I think the show is actually on like Lifetime or something like that to start off. It does not feel like it. Strong, um, but it was yeah, really strong. But it, that show uh, was pretty much when we weren't at Harry Potter World. That yeah. pretty much captured our entire weekend. Okay, so I'm gonna say, and this is a documentary. I love documentaries. It just came out last week, and they had, they had two of them. They have one on Netflix, one on Hulu. I'm sure all of you have heard about it by now if you've been on social media. It's the Fire Festival documentary. Oh, I heard about it's that. Yeah, incredible. yeah, incredible. The one on Hulu, I think, is better um, than the one on Netflix. If you guys don't have a Hulu account, I don't know how much it is a month, but I can just give you my fiance's parents' code or something like that. You just type that in. It's fine. Um, no, but it's, it is incredible. It's like this – I don't know if you remember this happening, but it was like this whole festival they had set up that was – too good to be true. They were doing it in paradise, like, and it was. It's like a year ago, right? It was like in 2017. I think it was the start of 2017. Yeah. But they were gonna do it like in the Bahamas, and they had all, all these like promos for it, and it ended up just being like pretty much 
like just fraud and they weren't actually ever following through with any of the stuff. And so when people, people showed up, like they were paying social media influencers. Like I, when I watched it, I was like, oh my God, if I was ever to the point on social media where I wanted to be, I would be the first idiot that would have been like, yeah, dude, going to Firefest. They're taking me down there. I'm going to Instagram the whole thing. And they were stuck on this island. And like, we're like, we're, I'm talking about they were getting, there was FEMA tents set up for these like villas they had and all this other stuff. And they couldn't get back home because they didn't have any flights. So they were locked, literally with like locks on the doors in an airport. They wouldn't let them off because they didn't have like, it was crazy. It was crazy. Wasn't Ja Rule part of that? Yes, he was. And oh, yesterday he said something. I too ja was was fooled and hoodwinked and bamboozled. And I was like, no, you weren't. Shut up. Oh, man. Ja Rule. Come back. Yep. Come back. All right. It might mean too much. This is a good one. You're going to love this. I, yeah. We've already had a couple too many UCF references this pod, but got to talk about this one. So... UCF linebacker, the UCF linebacker who taunted Joe Burrow in the Fiesta Bowl, the guy who stood over Joe Burrow, our guy, after he basically got decapitated yeah, on that. Not hit the one that made the hit. Six. Not the one who made the hit. No. no, not him. But just the one who felt the need to come over right. and stand over Joe Burrow and taunt him. So uh, Nate Evans is his name. He posted a picture on Instagram, and it was a letter uh, with the, the basically a picture of the scene where he's standing over Joe Burrow, and in like these all caps letters, this letter reads, "Who's talking trash now? Burrow got off the deck and torched your sorry defense. Four TDs, four hundred yards, and forty-five minutes of possession. LMAO!" Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! My first thought: How much color ink did this guy use? That's, this person from Alabama who sent this letter. That is, that's hilarious. Yeah, so that's that's the best thing is that it's it's you would think oh yeah probably a diehard LSU fan from Baton Rouge or something like that, probably an LSU fan but um, from Alabama so that in itself is is interesting and then the person who sent the letter because you could see the the envelope where yeah. he had the the address to it and he sent the letter to the official like UCF athletic department and it wasn't the old fashioned or the the new the new way of sending someone a DM or you know getting to, getting to somebody on Instagram or something like that. He sent the letter through the UCF athletic department so that they could give it to him, that he could open it and be like, oh, yeah, I probably have some fan More mail. Fan no, mail. Wait, I don't. Lieutenant <laughs> Dan. Oh, yeah, that was, um, so the, the part about the, the colored, did he really say LMAO or did he say LMBO? He said LMAO. Okay, that's like my least favorite thing is when people say LMBO. It's like, you've already abbreviated it, dude. Just, I mean, yeah. like, but yeah, that was incredible. And also, I do want to say now that it's been brought up, I want to sincerely apologize to Nate Evans for writing you this letter. Um, it's, I apologize. I didn't. I don't remember doing it. I had had too much Texas Pete and Bud Light one night, so I, I'm sorry for writing it. And if you, anybody could uh, Venmo me some money to get more color ink, that'd be great. Roll tight. Yeah. yeah, we will definitely do that. One five star review to get to today. Uh, this is from Alexandra from Long Island. Subject: Awesome podcast. I didn't grow up with SEC football from Long Island, New York. I started watching Bama five years ago on my own. Your podcast gave me so much knowledge about Bama and the rest of the SEC. I look forward to your guys' podcast. Love Fourth and Wrong, Family Feud, and Coach O. You guys rock. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah, it was really nice. Hopefully, we educated everybody today on a little SEC basketball talk. We definitely educated ourselves, at the very least. I, I, yeah, I would say we were educated, which was great. I mean, I watched it all weekend. It was a lot of fun. I, I can't believe we didn't bring up the whole Calipari. That should have been, it might, too, might mean too oh, much. Oh, Charles Barkley, that's right. That was good stuff. But oh, no, yeah, that was good stuff great. from Spencer. We'll have to have him on more often. And then um, 
and yeah, and then we get the Super Bowl two weeks from now, and then we're really there's no more football for real. This is the first up, and we did this in part because this is the first weekend where you're not going to have any football to distract yourself. Um, you're basically going to have to 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 watch yep. basketball whether you like it or not. So is the Senior Bowl you're this welcome. Week? Oh, yeah, Senior Bowls this week. Good point. Okay, we still have football. My bad. We definitely still have football. Thank God. Um, But, yeah, no, you will pretty much have to make that transition to basketball full-time for the next next couple months. Again, it'll be a very seamless transition for Alabama fans because if you watch that Tennessee game where they missed 10 free throws, the two easiest things to do in sports, um, you know, free throws and field goals, it's one and the same. So, you know, can't wait till next week, Connor. I'm going to go play with Queso. Send us out. You've got Facebook Live Monday night. That is, we're recording this on Monday, yeah. so that's technically tonight at 8.30. Mm-hmm. Uh, still cranking those out. Make sure you're definitely watching that. Make sure you follow us on all forms of social media. Follow us on Twitter at the SDS Pod, at CMarlerSDS, at CJ O'Gara. Coach Joe, I went to bat for you today. I told you why you need to be making more money so that you can have more trips to Waffle House. Tell us what we need to remember. I don't know what they want from me. More money we come across. It might mean too much. Bye. Bam. Walk off. Talk to you guys next week.